Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Millennial Learns. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. We are doing another states episode. This is an exciting one because this is my home state. Technically, it's not where I was born. I was born in Washington State. <laughs> but I've lived here in Colorado for basically my entire life. So if you're new to the podcast, basically what I'm doing is throughout the year, I'm interspersing these state history uh, podcast episodes in... And I just feel like we should all know more about the country. Well, for myself personally, I live in America. I feel like I should know more about the country that I live in. Some of these states I've never visited. I know barely anything about. So I just wanted to take a little tour through the U.S. in the order that they joined the Union. And, you know, give a rundown of each state. So we are on number 38, which is Colorado, my home state. This was really, really fun to read about because obviously, like I know the places that they're talking about. I know the geography a little bit more. Um, You know, I'm just familiar with the area. So it was fun to read on the history. And I know I've learned a lot about the history, you know, in school and stuff. We did all in fourth grade. It's like Colorado history year kind of. So we learn all about our state and all that Um, But it was fun to have like a good refresh of the history, but then also just all the stats about the state, all the fun things to do. You know, I got a little taste of some of the fun stuff to do this past weekend because my husband's family was in town. And so we were trying to show them kind of the more Colorado-ish things to do, like Garden of the Gods and Cheyenne Mountain Zoo. And I put some of those on the attractions list and it's just fun to... You know, when I'm looking up these attractions for most of the states, it's like I have no connection with them. I <clears throat> I haven't been, but all of these I've been to, I can recommend. So I really loved learning about this. So I hope you enjoyed the episode and let's learn about Colorado. The other thing is that I forgot to mention, I still don't know where my podcast, like regular mic is that I plug into my phone and it's like, you know, it's not that expensive. It's just a little fuzzy mic and it works great. I somehow in the midst of cleaning, put it somewhere that I do not remember and I can't find it. I swear I've organized like the whole house. It is somewhere in this house and I cannot figure out where I'm sure I'll find it very soon. So thanks for putting up with the audio um, for this week. Hopefully it's fine. And if it's not, I will be (laughs) buying a new one uh, soon if this doesn't turn up. So I'm hoping it turns up in like the next week. Anyway, let's get into the basic facts about the state of Colorado. So again, it's the 38th state to join the union. The capital is Denver, Colorado. Um... It became a state on August 1st, 1876, and that is why um, it is known as the Centennial State, because it was admitted into the Union 100 years after the Union um, was formed. So that is the nickname of Colorado, is the Centennial State. Now, why is it named Colorado? Spanish explorers named the river that ran through the area Colorado 
which means colored red because it looked muddy and reddish in hue that eventually became the name of the territory and then became the name of the state. Now the state motto is Nil Sinumin. Usually I don't even try to pronounce this these Latin um, mottos, but that means nothing without providence or deity. It originates from the epic Latin poem Aeneid, Aeneid uh, which was written by the ancient Roman poet Virgil and it is on the bottom of the state seal. Now there is also a state slogan. So if you come into the state, there's a big sign like on the state border that says, welcome to colorful Colorado, which is interesting because a lot of, you know, it's basically on this border between Kansas and Colorado, which is like the flattest. And if you're at the wrong time of the year, like the most dead looking brown area of Colorado. So it's kind of ironic that it says, welcome to colorful Colorado. But um, that colorful Colorado is the state's slogan. So we have a nickname, which is the Centennial State. We have the state motto, which is nothing without providence or deity. And then we have the state slogan, which is colorful Colorado. Now we were theorizing with my husband's family this weekend that the colorful Colorado saying could be talking about like the sky and the sunsets and stuff because we do have some amazing sunsets with like the mountains and all of that. But, you know, sometimes like especially in the winter or if it's just too dry that year, you cross this colorful Colorado sign and it's just all brown and flat. So kind of kind of funny. Uh, the population of Colorado is 5.78 million, which makes it the 37th most densely populated state in the United States, which seems lower than I thought, although it does make sense because these Western states, you know, were very densely populated in like Denver and Colorado Springs and Boulder, which is all kind of like Midwestern, you know, Northwestern, oh, sorry, not Western, Eastern, I'm getting those mixed up. It's like Eastern Colorado, East to North Colorado, that's kind of densely populated, but then the whole rest of the state is like very pretty much rural. So I guess it does add up that we're not high in the population density. All right, geography wise, we have kind of a lot of neighbors. Um, Colorado is bordered by Utah to the West, New Mexico and Oklahoma to the South. Kansas and Nebraska to the east, and Wyoming to the north. The uh, fun fact, because I don't think we have, we haven't covered any of these other states yet, but the state's southwest corner intersects with Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico, all in a single point that's known as the Four Corners. So you can go and stand, and it's like a little tourist attraction. I've actually never been to the Four Corners, but you can put like a hand and a foot in each quadrant and be standing in four states at one time. So that's the only place in the country you can do that with the four states at one time. So again, that's in the southwestern corner of Colorado. It meets with Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico. So kind of interesting there. Big like road trip attraction kind of. Um, as for the rest of the geography, the Rocky Mountains cover most of the western part of the state. That mountain range, the Rocky Mountains, stretches from New Mexico into Canada, but Colorado is home to the tallest peak on the range, Mount Elbert, which is 14,440 feet above sea level. 
It says, during east and you'll hit the Great Plains. This massive grassland covers over a million square miles of North America's interior and is used to raise cattle and grow corn and wheat. So it's like, a, yeah, lots of mountains and then basically some plains. There's also, you know, foothills and little things, but the website that I found just kind of grouped it into the, those two geographical regions. Okay, climate-wise, we have a pretty, well, I think it's pretty good, but it actually rates lower on the comfort index than, um, you know, than a lot of states. But the climate, there are 16 point, or sorry, 16 inches of rain on average. The national average is 38 inches. We get 63 inches of snow. The average is 28 inches. Now, it feels like we get a lot of snow some years, but I feel like... I don't know. It's interesting to live in the state and read these stats because if I just read this, I'd be like, I will never move to Colorado. It honestly doesn't feel sometimes that we get that much snow. Sometimes it does. Some years it feels like we're just constantly getting snow, which was kind of more this year. And some, it just feels like people overhype the snow and we don't get that much. So, but I guess we get 63 inches of snow on average. And I thought that was maybe only in the mountains and that it was a very, like really skewing the numbers. But I looked at the same website in my city and it's actually slightly higher than that 63 inches of snow. So we get a lot of snow, I guess. Uh, we also get 253 sunny days. The average is 205. So this is why my parents actually moved here from Seattle because they wanted sun. And this is one of the sunniest states in the US. We get tons of sunny days. So even if it's snowing or raining, a lot of times it will either be, you know, we'll have snow on the ground and it'll be a super sunny day or like it'll rain a little bit, then be sunny. So there's, it's never like you're in the middle of winter and it's just overcast all winter like some of the Midwestern states and stuff. There's a lot of sunny days, which is very nice. The winter low is 13 degrees. The summer high is 86, so we have quite the range there, which makes the comfort index a solid, but I guess less than average, 6.9. June, September, and August are the best months to visit or the most comfortable months in December um, and January are the worst months as with most states. The good thing about Colorado is it's pretty dry. It only gets to about 45% humidity. I guess that can be good or bad depending on what you, I don't know, what you prefer. I don't love humidity at all. So I like that it's drier. So that is the climate. So let's get into the actual state history and the historical timeline and all that stuff. So um, this timeline, I am combining two of them. So the first half is from the e-reference desk. And then I found this, you know, Colorado, uh, uncovercolorado.com. And um, I'm going through their major historical timelines after Colorado actually became a state. So, um, okay. In 1500, the Ute Indians inhabit the mountain areas of the Southern Rocky Mountains, making these Native Americans the oldest continuous residents of Colorado. By 1541, a man named Coronado, who was a famed Spanish explorer, it is believed that he may have crossed 
the southeastern corner of what is present-day Colorado as he was returning to Mexico after a hunt for the seven cities of Cibola. Uh, so they think he might have crossed into Colorado. Then there was an explorer, LaSalle. This is, you know, over 140 years later in 1682. Explorer LaSalle appropriates for France all of the area that is now known as Colorado, east of the Rocky Mountains. So didn't claim the, the mountainous part, but everything like in the Great Plains area was claimed for France. Again, some of these Western states have like these big years in between them. So about 80 years later in 1765, Juan Maria Rivera leads a Spanish expedition into San Juan and Sangre de Cristo Mountains in search of gold and silver. About 10 years later in 1776, Friars Escalante and Dominguez uh, are seeking a route from Santa Fe to California and they traverse western Colorado. It says they went as far north as the White River in the Rio Blanco County. So they went pretty far north. 1803 is when the Louisiana Purchase was signed by Thomas Jefferson. Um, now, the Louisiana Purchase did not include all of what is now Colorado, but it was most of the eastern part of Colorado. Um, and then 1806, Lieutenant Zebulon M. Pike, who, you know, Pike's Peak was named after, led a small party of soldiers, of U.S. soldiers, to explore the southwestern boundary of the Louisiana Purchase. He discovers Pike's Peak, which will eventually, you know, bear his name. He didn't name it just then, but um, that eventually claims his name. Or sorry, bears his name. Um, he tried to climb it. He did not make it all the way up. He didn't summit ever. He got, from what I understand, from the Pikes Peak tour, he went up like halfway. It was winter though, and so he got stuck in like waste or chest deep snow and had to turn back. Um, 1807, so just the next year, Pike crosses the Sangre de Cristo Mountains to the Conejos River in San Luis Valley. He builds Pike's Stockade, and he's placed under arrest by Spanish authorities and taken to Santa Fe. Uh, later, they're released, but they were put under arrest there. Okay, in 1820, it says that numerous Native American tribes live in the Colorado area. The Utes are in the mountains. The Cheyenne and Arapaho reside on the plains from the Arkansas to the Platte Rivers. And the Kiowas and Comanches live south of the Arkansas River. The Pawnee tribe hunts buffalo along the Republican River. And the Sioux sometimes hunt in the outskirts of the Cheyenne and Arapaho lands. So that's just giving some of the geography of... Um, you know, where all the tribes lived. It's kind of interesting to see the tribe names and stuff because like the town, you know, over from, well, there's a town nearby called Kiowa. And so I'm assuming that is where the Kiowas, you know, the Kiowa tribe lived at one point. Um, Major Stephen H. Long is sent by President Monroe to explore the southwestern boundary of the Louisiana Purchase. His party came to the South Platte River um, Long's Peak is named for him. And Dr. Edwin James, historian of Long's expedition, leads the first recorded ascent of Pike's Peak. Okay, so that was in 1820. Um, 1825 is when fur traders and trappers and mountain men kind of started 
coming into the area and establishing posts. In 1836, Texas became independent and claimed a strip of what is now Colorado, like a narrow strip of mountain territory. Um, and then there was a series of explorations or exploration trips by Lieutenant John C. Fremont uh, into the Rocky Mountains. His last expedition was in 1853 and took him through the San Luis Valley and into the Gunnison River country. Okay, 1848 was the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, where Mexico ceded the United States, or ceded to the United States most of the part of Colorado that was not acquired by the Louisiana Purchase, so most of the western part of the state. Present boundaries were established for Colorado in 1850. The federal government purchased Texas, Texas's claims to Colorado, so that's kind of what ended up making those current day boundaries. So part of it was from the Louisiana Purchase. That was most of the eastern part. Then the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo got most of the western part, and then the rest of it was acquired from the United States, buying it from Texas, which was then independent. Okay, 1851, the first permanent non-Indian settlement in Colorado is founded um, at Conejos, I should really learn how to say that, in San Luis Valley. Uh, Let's see. In 1854, there were treaties with Native American groups to prove uh, that proved unsatisfactory, which resulted in more conflict. The Utes uh, killed 15 inhabitants of Fort Pueblo on Christmas Day. So, again, there's kind of escalating tensions between the Native American groups and the settlers. Uh, Gold is found by George A. Jackson along the Chicago Creek on present-day site of Idaho Springs. And then there's another gold strike near North Clear Creek. So there was a rush of prospectors in 1859. There's also a, a stampede of miners to... California Gulch on present site of Leadville in 1860. Um, That's when the first schoolhouse was built in Boulder. So lots of gold as a reason for settlement in Colorado. Okay, 1861, the Colorado Territory is established. It has the the boundaries of the present state. And William Gilpin is appointed by Lincoln as the first territorial governor. 1864, the tension between the non-Indians, like the settlers, and the Native American tribes escalates. There's the Sand Creek Massacre of Native American men, women, and children in a Cheyenne and Arapaho Indian encampment by soldiers. This stirs, you know, the Native Americans to violence and, you know, trapping travelers and killing travelers. And in 1865, the next year, Indian attacks along trails reaches the highest intensity. Food is scarce for settlers. The prices are super high because of these attacks. Um, And Fort Morgan is established as protection against Indians. Okay, um, 1869 is the final military engagement between whites and Plains Indians in the eastern part of the territory that took place at Summit Springs. Um, 1871 is when Colorado Springs was established. The Colorado School of Mines was established. And then 1874, Colorado College is founded in Colorado Springs. 
the University of Boulder or University of Colorado at Boulder um, is established. And so that was all before Colorado actually became a state. Then on August 1st, 1876, President Ulysses S. Grant formally admits the state of Colorado into the Union. So that is now we are in the state. Okay, now we're on the uncovercolorado.com and we're just going to go through the main events of once Colorado is a state. So 1877, dinosaur fossils are discovered for the first time in Colorado. Um, It was a professor at the School of Mines, Arthur Lakes, who unearthed these fossils. And so there are all these great fossils at Dinosaur Ridge, um, which is in Colorado. June 1st, 1881, Union Station opens in Denver, which is like a major landmark in downtown Denver, Um, it says like many old Colorado institutions, Union Station has experienced several lifetimes of transformation and reinvention over the years. Today, it's an upscale destination packed with swanky bars and restaurants, and it serves as an important local transportation hub for rail and bus services. Um, when it was built in 1881, I thought this was interesting. It was the largest building in Denver. Uh, 13 years after it was built, there was a fire that started in the women's restroom that completely ravaged the building, basically. Um, by 2000s, like early 2000s, Union Station had fallen into disrepair. They did like a dramatic renovation in 2012 and it cost $54 million later, but it reopened and now it's like a hub. I don't really remember going to downtown or Union Station when it was super run down very much, but now it's, it's pretty nice down there. So, um, that is interesting about the history of just that building. Uh, 1882, there was a large earthquake that hits west of Fort Collins. Um, now earthquakes here are pretty rare. I don't think we've had one in a really long time, but there was a major one, uh, in that year. 1890, Robert Miller Womack strikes gold at Cripple Creek near Pikes Peak. Uh, Prospectors frantically made their way to Cripple Creek in search of riches, but none made out better than Winfield Scott Stratton, whose discovery of the Independence Lode is thought to be one of the largest gold discoveries in history. It said that he became unbelievably rich, but he was thought of as someone who was notably generous. um, And he offered... Uh, financial assistance to Bob Womack and politician Horace A.W. Tabor. The Broadmoor Casino opens in Colorado Springs in 1891, which is like a big, um, you know, big casino, I guess. It's uh, kind of a landmark. The Evening Post is founded in Denver in 1892. So we're getting more of the infrastructure and communication stuff. July 22nd, 1893, Catherine Lee Bates climbed Pikes Peak and she wrote America the Beautiful. This is one of like the big fun facts that we always hear about in fourth grade history class for um, school is that Catherine Lee Bates wrote America the Beautiful in Colorado on top of Pikes Peak. So it is really, really pretty up there. And I understand how she had the inspiration to, to write the song. Um... But, 
yeah, that is like one of our claims to fame. Okay, this is interesting too. In 1893, the Denver Depression of 1893 plunges Colorado into deep economic turmoil. So this says, in the fall of 1893, America suffered a crippling financial crisis, but Colorado's pain was felt so acutely that the event took on a localized identity called the the Denver Depression. Denver's agricultural industry had already been dealing with severe droughts and costly winters, but a sudden drop in the cost of silver pushed Colorado over the edge and brought on a severe economic and psychological depression. Um, lot Many, or all, I guess, uh, like of the local rescue missions ran out of food very quickly once this happened. Okay, um, a referendum allows women in Colorado to vote for the first time in 1893, so well before the um, constitutional amendment. The Western Livestock Show, which is a staple here, um, you know, people come for the livestock show from all over, but that started in 1906, so... Uh, let's see, it, it was to teach local farmers and ranchers breeding and feeding techniques for their animals. In 1908, the event expanded to include animals from around the world. Over the years, events have been added that are now widely loved in Colorado and beyond, including a rodeo, horse show, and mutton-busting uh, competition where children aged 5 to 7 ride on sheep. It's the lar- largest stock show in the world now. Um, I love going to the stock show, so um, that's when that started. The earliest documented performance at the Red Rocks Amphitheater site was on May 31st, 1906, which is way earlier than I thought it would be. Um, Now, like every artist who comes, and I've seen a bunch of them at Red Rocks, they always go, oh my gosh, Red Rocks Amphitheater Amphitheater is my dream. Like, it's been my dream to come perform here. So it's a really cool place. I would highly recommend going to see a concert if you are visiting... um, Colorado or Denver. April 20th, 1914, men, women, and children are shot and burned to death at Ludlow Massacre. It says 85 years to the day before Colorado suffered through the horrors at Columbine High School, the state saw another massacre that had profound impacts locally and across the nation. From September 1913 to December 1914, coal miners organized a massive strike against the Colorado-based mining companies they worked for. Miners complained of extremely dangerous working conditions, um, unfairness in living in towns. It's kind of long, so let me see if I can uh, condense it a little bit. Tensions boiled over on April 20th when four militiamen fired machine guns into a camp of a thousand striking miners, as well as their wives and children. That night, the National Guard set fire to the camp. Some residents were shot trying to escape the gunfire and others perished in the fire. Um, 21 died during the massacre. Others believe the number was higher. Colorado and the world were stunned by the violence and the U.S. Congress responded by initiating national child labor laws in an eight-hour workday. Okay, so that's pretty horrific. I don't even know if we learned about that. We we maybe Maybe we did. I'm sure it blocked out a lot of details, but... That's horrible. Um, Okay, January 26th, 1915, Rocky Mountain National Park is created. Again, amazing place to go if you are visiting. 
There was a flash flood that killed 1,500 people in southern Colorado that devastated the city of Pueblo. That was in 1921. 1948, the construction of the Valley Highway begins. So it was constructed to move traffic through Colorado's Front Range quickly. Um, An average trip from Denver to Pueblo took eight and a half hours on State Highway 1, which was an unpaved road. And this made it much quicker and and more efficient. And it's a multi-lane highway. Okay... Adolf Kors III is murdered in a botched kidnapping scheme in 1960. So he was the heir to the Kors Brewing Company empire. They had a plot to kidnap him. Again, it was a botched kidnapping outside of Morrison, Colorado, and he was uh, killed. Which I was not aware of, but Kors is big here. We have like the whole plant, and so he was the heir to that whole operation. 1964, the Beatles performed at Red Rocks. Uh, There's some census numbers that are super important. So that is, that is what they highlighted as the most important uh, events in Colorado state history. So that gives a good, a good summary there. And yeah, it's fascinating to, to read all of what has happened in the state. So I love learning about the history of of the states like this. Um, okay. The next thing that we'll talk about is famous people. So lots of famous people are from Denver. I'll just run through a few of them. Tim Allen, Anna Sophia Robb, Christian McCaffrey, who I actually went to school with, Kristen Schaal, Jack Dempsey, Neil Gorsuch, who's the Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the U.S., um, Kristen Davis, who's an actress. I know her from Holiday in the Wild, but she's in... <laughs> Sex in the City, I guess. Kristen Cavalieri and John Hader, or Heater, who was Napoleon Dynamite. All of them are from Colorado. Um, next thing that we're going to run right into is state symbols. We have a good amount of state symbols that I, I don't know, I like them. So let's run through some of those. Um, again, the state slogan is Colorful Colorado. The state amphibian is a western tiger salamander. I'm not going to get too much into why some of these were chosen, but the Colorado state bird is the lark bunting. You know, most of these are basically just uh, chosen because they're native to Colorado and they're somewhat unique. Um, there's a Colorado state cactus. I cannot pronounce it, but I'll try Echinocerius, no, Echinocerius triglocidiatus. Anyway, it's red and colorful and it has some purple and green. It's pretty uh, good looking. The Colorado State Fish is the greenback cutthroat trout. The Colorado State Flower is the Rocky Mountain Columbine. Again, very pretty flower. The uh, Colorado State Grass is the Blue Grandma. The Colorado State Insect is the Colorado Hair Streak Butterfly, which has some nice blue in it. Our state mammal is the Rocky Mountain Bighorn Sheep. The Colorado State Pet is any Colorado shelter pet that, you know, is kind of an initiative to... to 
urge people to adopt pets. Colorado State Reptile is a western painted turtle. The tree is the Colorado Blue Spruce, which we have many of here. The state fossil, because of you know, the dinosaur fossils that I mentioned before, is the Stegosaurus fossil. Aquamarine is our state gemstone. Uh, we have a state mineral, which is the Rhodo Rhodochrosite. Rhodochrosite. Um, we have a state rock, which is the Yule Marble, which is kind of a little lame. Folk dance is the the Colorado State folk dance is a square dance. And that is, I think, about it. Colorado State sport is Packboro racing, which I've literally not heard of. It says that it's a mountain race that features pairs of humans and burrows. Like many bizarre but enduring traditions, it was started by Colorado miners in the 19th century. Burrows is the Spanish word for donkeys. So it's like a guy and a donkey that are running uh, together and racing. Let's see if there's any other ones. We have a state naval vessel called the USS Colorado, um, which is interesting because we are completely landlocked. So, honestly, a little bit weird. Um, and that, yeah, that's the state symbols. And then the last thing we'll talk about is just the attractions. So we got, we got a decent amount. Like, sometimes I feel like there's not a lot to do here. Well, I never feel like that. It's just that I don't go up into the mountains enough. There are so many things to do in the mountains that I kind of am missing out on that I want to get more into, like good hikes and stuff. Um, but there's a lot. So let me just run through some of the attractions. Garden of the Gods. It has tons of red rocks, lots of great trails. It's really cool and kind of geographically diverse. Our family, well, my husband and his sisters uh, just went down there. I couldn't actually go to Garden of the Gods because of timing stuff. Um, but I have been, that's where my husband and I did our little mini honeymoon during COVID. So it's really cute. There's cute surrounding towns in there and I really like it. I've mentioned Red Rocks Amphitheater. I love going to concerts there. It is so fun, especially like a good country concert. It's outside. It's surrounded by the Red Rocks. They light it up. It's beautiful. Uh, then we have Rocky Mountain National Park. Always good for like fishing, you know, staying in a cabin up there or something is really fun. You can do a bunch of outdoorsy things up there, so that's good. We have the sand dunes, which are all... I, I don't know if the sand dunes are my idea of fun. People like <laughs> the sand dunes a lot. When I went, it was kind of cold and there was just wind whipping the sand into me. And we kind of had the wrong sandboards. Like you have to get kind of specific sandboards or cardboard to actually sled down them correctly. So I don't know. Sand dunes, they're maybe not my favorite. But, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, go there. Cheyenne Mountain Zoo is this great zoo. It's small, but it's nestled into the mountain. So it's you kind of walk up like a hill and it's kind of steep, but you see a lot of these cute animal exhibits and it's just an experience. Like it's not the most complex zoo you'll ever see probably, but it's an experience for, to see that zoo. So I would highly recommend there is Mesa Verde National Park, which I believe is, I mean, all the national parks are really cool. 
I think we went on a field trip there um, in elementary school. I'm kind of remembering Breckenridge. I put on here because it's like a cute mountain town, especially some of these mountain towns are super worth seeing in the fall as the leaves are changing. We'll try to make a trip up to Breckenridge, but it's like perfect, cute fall weather. I love Breckenridge. There's the Molly Brown House Museum, so you can see her house. And then Coors Field I put on here, which is like our uh, baseball stadium. But also I would recommend going to the Coors factory and taking a tour. That's always really fun. Seeing the production in Golden, you can like take a full tour and see the bottling and stuff. And that is a cool attraction too. That wasn't listed on the website that I found, but I just thought that that was a good wreck if you are visiting Colorado. So that is all for my podcast about Colorado. I hope you really enjoyed. I hope you learned a lot. If you have any questions or need some recs on what to do in Colorado, let me know. DM me at a millennial learns on Instagram or on the poll, um, you know, respond to the poll on Spotify. Um, so anyway, that is all of the stats that I want to go over for Colorado. Again, love learning about my home state. It's always fun to brush up on the history and know the places that they're talking about. So I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will see you next week for another one. Talk to you later. Bye everyone.